You're listening to Backstage Pass with Alford Media. Your behind-the-scenes look inside event tech and what it takes to turn visions into reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Backstage Pass brought to you by Alford Media. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So January is always a hot month for trade shows, and this is true across all industries. We've got CES, we've got KBiz, NRF. Uh, The most applicable one for us this month definitely has to be NAM. That's the National Association of Music Merchants Trade Show. And another year kicked off looking at some exciting, transformative, and affecting technology in the pro audio and event tech industries. And of course, we had some boots on the ground, so we're back in the studio for a post-NAM recap. So I'm pleased to welcome Ben McKinney back to the podcast. He's our audio services manager for Alford Media. Ben, welcome back to Backstage Pass. How are you doing? Thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's going to be a pleasure. You know, I always love doing these uh, post-show breakdowns because, yes, they're timely, but... You know, you can always, I think, glean some some information on where the industry is going when you know everyone is really excited to showcase X uh, product or uh, you know really highlight a trend at an educational session. Uh, so I'm looking forward to picking your brain a little bit on this. So let's start broad. What was the show like this year? Did you have a good time? You know, just give us a recap of your experience. Yeah, the the show was good this year. Um, it was a little bit shorter for me than it was last year, but mm. so uh, definitely condensed my my time to where I could go, but still got to see everything I wanted to see and hear everything I wanted to hear. So that was good. Um, Nam's rocking along. It's a really good show. There's huge crowds that show up. So it's good. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's, it's one kind of similar to CES that pulls, uh, industry professionals, obviously, but I think it also appeals, um, to, consumers or users of some of these products as well. Oh, it certainly does, especially um, from the, the the more the musical instrument right. side of things. The pro audio side doesn't drag as many sure. um, people, but the, the instrument side of it, yeah, there's tons of people who would love to get in and see it and just really can't. Right. But. Well, and that's a... Uh, that's what I think makes NAM also unique is that it really gives the event tech and pro AV side of the industry a chance to interface with some, some people that don't really decide necessarily the projects themselves, right? They're not interfacing with installers or manufacturers, but they are often the recipients of the the product, right? They're the ones right. in the audience experiencing the light show or, uh, you know, in the conference room with the immersive sound. And uh, I wonder, you know, did you see any kind of interesting feedback from some of the end users that just happened to be at the show that interface with that technology? Or, you know, does that dynamic exist with NAM? I I don't know. Um, there's nothing that, that sticks out. Yeah. Um, it, it's two very distinct crowds. Yeah. Um, there, you can like tell who's there as a musician. <laughs> they kind of silo themselves. Per audio, uh-huh. um, not to name any stereotypes, but it, it's pretty obvious. Um, it, you can. It, they don't really. I, I didn't really interact with anybody. No. Hmm. Uh, outside of kind of the per audio area. Interesting. So, um, I was there to see what I wanted to see and what I needed to see. And I'm not a musician, so the musical side of it doesn't necessarily appeal to me. I don't want to you know, fight the crowds to go see the newest drum kit or the newest bass guitar or something. I just, you know, it's so why go there? Right. Yeah. Right. Interesting. (laughs) No, but I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there's definitely an opportunity there for, 
for the industry to maybe interface with um with some folks that might use that technology and 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 yeah I I, I don't know I don't know what that dynamic would necessarily look like but I feel like it's an opportunity to well, take advantage of. It there are there are um, manufacturers that do that. Yeah, uh, Yamaha being one of the the biggest, really, um, because they have a huge music industry. It's absolutely massive, and then they also have a very large audio presence as well, and pro audio with uh, consoles and um, with a shared manufacturer in Nexo mm. for speakers. So um, they actually have an entire chunk of the Marriott that that they don't have like a trade show booth on the floor they're so big they literally take over the entire marriott space they get the wing and yeah that is the the yamaha section over there so you have to specifically go over and see them Um, and there's a lot more crossover there um just because of their product line so while you were at the show what were some of the broader talking points or trends that you heard driving conversation either based on just your interactions personally or just kind of observing what technologies they were showcasing or some of the educational sessions. So um, one of the things that I've been paying attention to, uh, we are starting to see more options with a little little speaker. So like little front fills or little pendant speakers that hang from the ceiling that are powered by a POE or power over ethernet. Um, they're Dante enabled. So that is a, a digital signal sent over an IP uh, internet protocol, just similar similar to your network and your computer connecting to Wi-Fi, but it's not wireless. So they're using a switch that provides the PoE power, and they're sending signal via Dante and power via PoE to a speaker. And you get a single speaker that you run one single Cat5 to, and you're done. Some of the stuff that's really cool about that is in a lot of these small speaker applications where you're trying to cover a large space with a bunch of small speakers, with them being Dante-enabled, I have... I can have individual control over every single speaker. Whereas we used to run 70 volt systems and, you know, 10 speakers get the same exact signal, the same exact time. You can't affect any of that. But with these new systems, it's, it's becoming really interesting how they're starting to be deployed. And we're seeing more and more and more of these little POE speakers that we could use for like little front fill applications. Or if we do little exhibit booths, they could work in that application. There's, there's a lot of applications where these little speakers would be great. Um, and it's really convenient the way that we're able to send signal and power to them. Yeah. Does that change how you interface with some of your clients and some of the products that you offer them and the services you offer them, having that kind of flexibility with speakers? Possibly. I mean, anytime you can make yourself more flexible, you can, you know, offer more solutions. Um, uh, the downside to what we do day in and day out is they're very small and they're typically low power. Mm. Um, so that doesn't necessarily benefit us in a room with 3,000 people. Right. I, I can't put 3,000 of these things out. Um, but <laughs> well, that, a, that would be a feat in and of itself. Right, I'd like right. to see that, yeah. Um, the the application, though, of very small room, very clean setup, um, you know, doing little bitty uh, high-end breakouts that we do sometimes. or uh, We do general sessions, per se, that have a lot of technical detail in them uh, with show callers, but it might only be for 100 people. Mm. So there's requirements for the sound system to be very small and inconspicuous. And now I can take these little tiny speakers and run one single Cat5 to them, and I'm I'm done. And that so that starts to create some opportunity there, just giving very small, elegant-looking uh, products for these really high-end small shows is kind of the application that I'm I'm thinking of them in. 
And then what about the power over Ethernet aspect of it? Is that becoming more of a standard for these smaller applications? Are you seeing it become a standard for any of the larger applications? And and is there an incentive, if if they're not there yet, to um, you know, to, to really encourage more of that power and data transfer back and forth between devices? We, we will not see this in a large format. Yeah. Um, not in a large speaker. Uh, primarily because just you can only push so much power over a Cat5 cable. Right, right. Um, it's not really designed to carry power like a, a, an AC cord is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also asking a network switch to now be the power source. And it's not designed to be a power source. So uh, we're using some technology that wasn't really designed to do to, to power a speaker. Mm-hmm. But we're powering a speaker um, because it has reached the point where we can do this in a very small, very efficient way. Right. Um, but it, it's not going to grow in scale. It's not going to power a line array. It's not going to power even an eight-inch speaker. It's only going to power very, very small things. Yeah. Um, you also have to consider that there's a very limited number of switches that can provide some of the power that you need already. And we're talking about little four-inch speakers. Uh, and you're going to have to really find your the switches that can actually provide that kind of power and they're few and far between. And they also have to be a, a switch that allows you to run Dante properly. Mm. So now we just narrowed down the field even more. I mean, there's really only a handful of switches that'll really do this properly. So uh, I don't see it growing in uh, in size per se, uh, but we may see more and more small little products that are kind of niche products that are powered this way because it's easy. It's convenient. It's actually less hardware to drive because now I don't need to provide signal and a power source. I can do that all in one unit. So I will see more of it, but it'll be all small application stuff. Yeah. Well, I, it's neat how there's a symbiotic relationship there where, you know, the technology innovates in this direction, but I feel like it also responds to, uh, you know, market needs and the fact that there are more industries that are wanting to create the kind of community that you might see in like the AV industry at an AV trade show, right? And so the application of being able to uh, power a small but robust speaker for a smaller trade show event or a smaller booth event or, um, you know, even just uh, a smaller meeting space, whatever it might be. I I think the the technology reflects the demands of the market, but also the other way around, like the market kind of influences where the technology innovates. Do you see that same kind of dynamic symbiotic between the two, the two ends of the spectrum there? Um, well, I mean, certainly people are providing or manufacturers are providing what people are asking for. Sure. The, the manufacturers are certainly innovating and pushing some of that on their own because I don't know that anybody actually asked for, a little bitty speaker that sure. was powered by a PoE. Everybody's just always accepted that I'm going to have to have an amplifier for it mm. or I'm going to have to plug it in because it's got its own built-in amp. Um, so this this change of PoE-powered speakers, I don't know that anybody asked for it. Mm. But manufacturers provided it. Everyone was like, well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'll, take, I'll take four of those. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. That's just... Or 3,000. Yeah, or, well, they would love 3,000, I'm sure. <laughs> You're right. Uh, okay, so I want to break down a few more technologies that may have caught your eye. Um, so we just spent some time on the speakers. Uh, there were some other ones that are definitely important to the AV and event tech industries. You brought up consoles. Um, so what were some new features that you saw being added to consoles at NAM? Um, how are they assisting with on-site workflows? What are they enabling? Uh, what are the biggest changes you saw? So as far as the 
what a console does yeah. isn't necessarily changing. Um, we've had consoles doing what we needed them to do forever uh, since analog days. I mean, you had a lot of outboard gear with them, and we've taken all the outboard gear that you used to have, and we put it internal because it's now all digital and it's just a computer. One of the things we're seeing is we're seeing more and more uh, plugins available on the consoles, so special effects. Uh, every console has a channel strip that has a compressor and a gate and EQ and things like this, but um, we're seeing more consoles from the factory offer uh, plugins that model um, different compressors or different gates or different EQs from old analog days. Mm. And part of that is because people want those sounds. You know, every different compressor had a different sound. And engineers liked this particular sound of this compressor versus this one. And so now consoles are giving us the ability to pick and choose how we want that compressor to sound and react based on different algorithms. Um, we're seeing more and more that there are some third party companies that provide a, a huge quantity of that waves being one of them. Um, and waves can give you any compressor modeling that, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, there's uh, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of plugins, uh, with waves that you can purchase and add to any console, but that also adds complexity because now I have a third party a uh, system that has to be interconnected with a console and you have to run the software for it plus the console. And so it, it creates some additional latency within the desk. It creates some additional complication. And so we're seeing manufacturers that are listening to the market going, you know, this creates a whole bunch of extra complication. I don't really necessarily want that, but I want the sound. So the manufacturer's like, well, why don't we just put the sounds on the desk and give mm -hmm. it to you with the console purchase? And everyone's like, well, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah. And, and they are. And so people are listening. So we're seeing more of that as far as features that are being added to desks. But predominantly, it's the um, newer hardware and newer mm. surfaces. Um, we kind of like to stick to about a 10-year product cycle uh, as far as we don't want to use something for more than 10 years. Um, that's when we're looking for what is the next thing because now we've, we, we've had this for 10 years. The, the hardware can be showing its age because they sit in hot warehouses. Right. They sit in freezing cold warehouses. They ride on trucks for thousands of miles and they literally just shake the entire time that they're going. <laughs> so right. the hardware only holds up so long. Um, and manufacturers are out to produce the next newest best hardware, screens that look the best. It gives you the best um, – surface to to do a show on um they're upgrading preamps to sound better they're so there's there's lots of that sort of thing where we're really just seeing new hardware that kind of does similar to what the old hardware did with a few additional features but there's no dramatic changes in the way a console operates uh consoles have been operating the same way for decades now and they're probably going to continue to operate that way sure so those hardware changes um, you know like you said i'm sure a part of it is an aesthetic improvement and that it just looks better or that it's cleaner to use. But does that actually uh, translate into any kind of uh, efficiency of using the console itself uh, when they improve the hardware and the aesthetics of it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and one of the primary things is with digital consoles, um, when we first had digital consoles coming to the market, we didn't have the screen technology to make them visible outside 
But uh, anybody been to a concert outside? Yeah. A lot happens. A lot of sun. Right. There's a lot of sun you got to <laughs> deal with. And you may have you've seen people mixing who are like literally mixing under a tarp because they got to see or they built right. some cardboard <laughs> box around the screen because they just can't see it. The glare. Yeah. Yeah. They just were not bright enough. And, and screen technology has progressed to the point that now you can have extremely bright screens um, that don't react the same in sunlight and you can now see them. So that is one of the complaints of some older desks. You can't see them outside. And if you got to do anything outside, they don't want certain brands because certain brands you couldn't see. And some manufacturers have listened and they're like, all right, here's our new screen. It's got a thousand nit screen in it. Hmm. Put your sunglasses on broad daylight and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so that's some of the, the advantages of the new hardware. Uh, manufacturers also learn what breaks over the years, you know, because consoles sit on trucks and drive for thousands of miles across the highway and they figure out what breaks and they're like, well, that keeps breaking. Well, let's re-engineer that part so that it doesn't break anymore. So hopefully the next generation of consoles is also more reliable and you expect to see those reliability uh, increases. They learn more about how their consoles take abuse and that sort of things. Do you have any specific standout consoles that you remember from the show that highlight some of these uh, hardware improvements? Digico just released the new console. Uh, it is the S338. Um, it, it, we just at a quick glance, if you look at it, it looks the same as their older consoles, but if you really take a deeper look, it is not the same. Mm. Most of the hardware has been changed. Uh, the screens are uh, completely different. Um, they're much brighter. They're, um, uh, the detail on them is much higher. Um, it's also moved into a 32-bit preamp world, so the preamps are going to sound a little bit better because they just have better processing on them. And um, So that's come out. But typical form and function, it looks very similar to their other desks. It doesn't look different. It still looks like a Digico, and Digico wants it to look like a Digico. It's just it's subtle things that you really don't – got to know what you're looking at to really see the difference. Right. But, well, and luckily the professionals, they're the ones that know. We try to know. Yes, I love it. All right, another uh, piece of tech that you highlighted before the show was Zoom released a new 360 recorder. Yeah, Uh, it's it's a soft release, but yeah. Yeah, and that it's going to have audio now be part of this 360 recorder. Um, Tell me a little bit about that soft release. Is this a first kind of its product, to have a 360 recorder with robust audio? I haven't haven't seen anything before. but it's not something that I've also spent a lot of time really looking at. I kind of stumbled across it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that Zoom, this is the second generation of this. Zoom has a 360-degree audio recorder. Um, this is advancing that technology. So it's still the same 360-degree audio recording. They just added two cameras that can record 180 degrees each. And so you wind up with a perfectly seamless 360-degree image with the audio in the same place as the image. Nice. Um, the software was still, it was barely beta. It was really probably more alpha, so you couldn't do a lot of things with it, but they were talking about what it's going to do. Um, they think the official release is going to happen at NAB in, what's that, April, I think. Mm. Um, so for now, this was just sitting in a corner. They didn't have any signs up about it. It wasn't in any of their literature. It was just sitting there, and I'm like, what's that? And you couldn't find it on their website. There was no information about it. We had to go find somebody and get them to come over and tell us what was going on. Because you, you there found was the hidden nothing. Gem. It was, yeah, it was a little hidden thing. It just sitting over there in the corner. It's fun. So that was kind of a cool little find. We're 
it's just kind of blown away. You're like, wow. And you could move the video around and everything would turn. And right. And the sound would, the match. sound would, yeah. yeah, it was really kind of cool. So in a practical sense, in the work that you do uh, in event tech, how would a product like that open some new opportunities for, you know, experiences uh, at a trade show level, at a concert level? I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? How would you apply uh, that creatively, oof. I guess? Uh, I don't, <laughs> we, I don't actually know. Um, I, honestly, it would be much cooler in this environment that we're in right now mm. because we could sit here and, and talk and, and do the podcast and there could be a 360 review. Somebody could watch in 360 degrees while we were podcasting. Right. Um, you know, talking and around it, it's, people oftentimes like to watch podcasts. I mean, they stream a lot of things that are that are podcasted now. They're not just audio anymore. Right. So. Well, you know, it's interesting that they already have the product down for immersive audio and really they're just elevating it now to add a video component and, yeah. and to retain that immersive audio, which I, I think speaks to um, the power of immersive audio actually more than it does video because I, I think we've kind of grown accustomed to having some kind of web-based VR, AR already accessible. Um, you know, you can find it on Facebook. You can scroll through the 360-degree videos. Uh, but there often isn't like a, a deep, rich audio component to it. And so I think they realize, okay, we've got a product that captures the immersion of audio. and We're just going to, you know, basically put video on top of that and retain that experience. Yeah, yeah, which is nice because they're really an audio company they're not right. i mean they record things that's what they do <laughs> yeah uh, audio and so now they're adding some video components to it and uh, it'll be fun to see where that goes and how it gets used totally so overall something you had mentioned earlier before the show uh was that you really saw a diversity in product lines across the board uh from company to company and that there were lots of different versions for different niche applications for each product. So explain a bit more in detail what you actually saw um, and, and, and that trend specifically, how you think that's actually going to have an impact on the industry. The fact that product lines are diversifying more and more. So one of the things we're seeing is we're seeing things change from their traditional shapes. So a monitor wedge has always been a monitor wedge. Um, it looks like a wedge, it sits on stage, it kind of always does the same thing. Um, they're all about the same size and about the same shape. Uh, we've seen a manufacturer try and kind of reinvent that a little bit and make something that is significantly flatter. Um, uh, and we've seen some other manufacturers try this in the past too, where they're just trying to do some different things because everybody, everybody realizes that Putting big black speakers typically on your stage is not always the most aesthetically pleasing uh, setting, but they are absolutely necessary. We cannot do the show without them. So we can either design the set around them. Uh, another common practice is to just go grab some plants and throw them in front <laughs> of them, and they just hide them with ferns. Um, but the manufacturers now are starting to realize that, you know, we're hiding speakers with ferns. We're trying to build sets around them so we can hide the front fill and we can hide the monitor wedges a little bit. And they're kind of responding and they're like, well, what if we just made a really, really flat wedge that didn't look like a wedge? Mm. And okay, 
you know, maybe that's maybe that's a really good idea. Um, it's certainly something that makes you think and explore and then other manufacturers see. And, you know, if there's just one manufacturer selling a, a product like that, then the rest of them are going to follow suit and jump in and they're going to build something as well. So it'll be interesting to see if that really takes off. And um, if we start seeing a, a lot of uh, manufacturers trying to change the shape of very traditional speakers to try and fill a more niche thing of what like a corporate client like us wants. I don't need a big, loud monitor wedge on stage. I need a very small, corporate friendly, low profile, good looking monitor wedge on stage. Mm. So it doesn't look like a big giant eyesore on and you're in the middle of your set. Um, as far as like the product lines diversifying, we're, I mean, everybody wants to, every manufacturer spends money to develop their first product. And there's a lot of R&D that goes into it. And once you have all the technology, sometimes shrinking it or growing it is just an easy way to provide um, a product that doesn't require as much R&D because you already did most of it. Um, and so we see product lines with multiple sizes and a, and a dual 10 inch speaker box is not the right size for everybody. Sometimes you need a dual eight inch, you dual six and a half, dual 12, just depends on your application. And so no one product fits everybody. So we, we do see product lines come out and, and we have different sizes of everything essentially. Um, I expect Digica's new console to do that. Hmm. You know, it's a currently a three screen 38 fader surface uh, I have no doubt that we're going to see a smaller surface, probably two screen, 26 fader. Um, how fast? I, I, I don't know. It depends on what their R and D guys are doing. Will we see a larger surface? Possibly. But I, I think for sure we're going to see a smaller one. And that's just because that big surface doesn't fit in every hole. That big surface costs more money. A smaller surface can cost less. It's a whole less screen, one less screen I got to buy. And, uh, less hardware so it it helps provide multiple avenues for people to get the right size tool for their job and budget well and i think it kind of goes back to that earlier point uh about the market responding to um you know to its end users and its clients uh seeing that the technology is evolving to the needs of the industry um, is probably a good thing uh, because in the long run, it continues to build uh, that kind of confidence between um, professionals and manufacturers in the industry. And if they do it right and they do it first and they do it best, then, you know, they might develop new fresh relationships between professionals and manufacturers and say, you know, okay, hey, these people clearly know our needs. Um, they know that the corporate space is growing and we should, you know, just use their products or we should, you know, develop a stronger relationship with them and their products because they're clearly responding to the needs of our market. So, yeah, I'm sure that's encouraging to see. Yeah, no, it's it's wonderful to see. Um because there's been so much that a corporate world has been trying to take a product design for rock and roll world right? and trying to kind of cram it into our need. And now we're seeing manufacturers that are much more focused on the needs of a rock and roll world. And we're getting kind of our own products, mm. stuff that rock and roll would never use. Right. And that's fine. So last main point here for you, Ben, uh, a lot of what I think people look for at NAM is the technology, obviously great new tech uh, that, you can look forward to applying in your uh, event 
rollouts. But I think from a broader perspective with these trade shows, I'm always really interested in seeing uh, how professionals are viewing this technology and then if there are any changes in workforce or in skills needed to utilize these pro- or these products or um, even you know some of the creative potential around them are people brainstorming and, and really trying to to break the mold with how to use these uh, use these products so I wanted to know um, you know were there any conversations that you had or saw or anything reflected at the booths that uh, talked about skill sets evolving, improving, or being challenged due to some of these new tech uh, and tools that are maybe changing the the scope for AV professionals? I don't know that I had any conversations about it. Um, one of the things that has changed a lot for uh, audio has been our networking. Um, everything is becoming a computer that is networked to another computer. Um, that's only going to get more and more um, integrated into our systems. Um, we're not far away from like an actual microphone having being having a network port on it and we're not plugging it in with the XLR anymore. We're plugging it in with CAF5. Mm. Um, the microphones already exist. I think we're only going to see it more and more. Um, so if you don't know how to network, better take some classes because <laughs> it's time to learn. Here it comes. Um, yeah, ready or not. The uh, As far as manufacturers, we're not really seeing... I mean, audio is kind of a, a thing where we're our, our technology is really sort of settled. We're now just refining. We're not really creating new technology. It's not really a new, uh, not a new way to put sound into the air. Mm. Um, but you can refine the unit that puts the sound into the air and you can make it better. You can make it more efficient. You can make it louder. You can make it lighter. You can make it smaller while maintaining the same outputs. And so that's how we see a lot of our product development is we're, we're lighter, we're smaller, we're louder, we're uh, more efficient, we have less distortion and involved um, less components so we can charge less. Um, we are seeing some, there's definitely more push to control the sound and only put the sound where we want it to go. Um, there's several applications of the way people are doing that. Um, there's one manufacturer that is um, uh, mechanically articulating their array to control the vertical and horizontal dispersion. There are others that are uh, very good at controlling the vertical dispersion. Uh, electronically. Um, there's one manufacturer that hangs a, a, an array completely vertical. It has absolutely no mechanical articulation at all. And all of the control that they do with the vertical coverage of the speaker is completely controlled 100% electronic. Hmm. Um, we'll probably see more of that. Um, that is adding a complication in what the manufacturers are having to build but they also understand that audio guys aren't IT people, mm-hmm. that we are audio people who understand IT. So they're trying really hard to get their IT people in their design phase to make it Accessible, the simplest yeah. mm-hmm. IT version that right. we can use so that we can still keep up. Interesting. Um, because we don't really want to bring the IT people out of the office to show site to help us plug in our speakers. Right. But we're still going to have to know how to do it. So uh, 
the speakers themselves are getting more complicated as, as there's more of that. And it does require some additional programming and planning because now I have to go and tell the software where every seat in the venue is, where every wall in the venue is, so that it can manipulate itself to cover only what it's supposed to. Um, a lot of that requires just front-end work. It's not necessarily additional work on site. Um, the rigs still hang the same. Uh, there's just a lot more going on in them. And I think we're going to see more of that in the future. We're going to see more and more manufacturers uh, worried about that, giving us electronic controls um, to change the way the PA is reacting in the room because we can't fix the acoustics of the room. That's Speakers don't do that. In fact, they just show how bad your acoustics are. But if we can tell the speakers to only put sound where there are humans, then we're controlling a lot of the uh, room's bad acoustics by not putting sound where it's bad. Hopefully, that all made sense. It absolutely did. Okay. You know, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's great to see that um, the inter-industry relationships where they can, you know, they don't try to force skill set changes where they aren't totally needed, right? So. You know, the manufacturers aren't just saying, yeah, well, it's time for the audio guys to be IT guys and just offloading that onto you, well, right? Right. You can't make the greatest product in the world that nobody can figure out how to use. Right. Because then no one's going to use it. Right. So there has to be a balance there. Totally. And to your point also, uh, I'm sure, you know, several years ago, audio guys you know, saw the IT side of what they did as very minimal. And that slowly has become probably a larger part of what you do, but it's still not, you know, you're not still IT trained professionals. So maybe in the future, we will see those skill sets continue to evolve, but it's kind of a slowly but surely thing, not a surprise, you know, <laughs> now you it, have to be a professional to use all our products. Grown. You know, yeah. it was one product and right. then it was two products. And uh, now I think every system we own except one actually runs on a network. Huh. As far as audio, yeah. So in some shape or fashion, you're controlling it by network, or you're literally sending the signal over your network, right? So it's it's very very much proliferated, pro proliferated. Yes, the market. There we go. Yeah, I'm gonna stumble all over that. So, <laughs> all right, Ben, that basically does it here for backstage pass. One last question for you: Do you have any crazy NAM moments? Anything? Not even related to the technology or the show or anything, but just like, whoa, that was bizarre. Gotta love those. Uh, it's always interesting walking through the basement at NAM and seeing the Chinese manufacturers and what they're kicking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, I saw a speaker stand where the legs had LED lights in them and lit up. Flashy. Uh, love it. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose no one's going to trip over that speaker light <laughs> yes. because it's lighting up. And there's a company who now makes and will sell you. It's not just a demo. You can buy it. It is a bed in a road case. Wow. It comes with an air conditioning. It's a full bed. It comes with a smart TV for a little extra money. They'll go ahead and put the PlayStation in it for you. Amazing. And you can close up your engineer in it and put them on your truck, I guess, and ship them away. <laughs> I don't know. Like a Dracula coffin? Uh, yeah, and they, kind of. They rise out? Kind of. It's, I mean, it's got air conditioning. What else do you need? <laughs> That's so <laughs> Air conditioning good. and a TV? I want to do your audio. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> That's fun. And they've sold a few. They'll actually make them for you and sell them. Wow. They'll customize them with different interiors and all kinds. It's incredible. It's kind of out of control. Wow. Um, well, hey, if people will buy it, I guess 
it will be made yeah apparently they made i talked to the guys they they made one just to like attract attention at their booth yeah and it attracted enough attention that several people were like how much gimme yeah yeah and and they they bought them and they wind up shipping out to show site uh, one of them was some guy who apparently works really long hours on show site and he was he'll go sleep for a couple hours and get up and keep working and so he's got one and he incredible oh just ships his bed everywhere I'm thinking you should just get a hotel and maybe yeah, right. get some help if that's all you can do is two hours of sleep a night but that's just yeah, me. right that's a larger problem yeah let's address yeah. that sir i love it all right ben mckinney thank you so much for joining us on backstage pass and giving us a nam recap again we've been chatting with ben mckinney audio services manager for alford media thanks for your time ben yeah, thank you And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Backstage Pass. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes or consume some more of our event tech content, you can head to alfordmedia.com. Again, alfordmedia.com. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.